It's difficult to get through life and not be affected by cancer. Whether you hear the words, you have cancer, or someone you know, cancer is part of us all. When confronted, where do you turn? What are the treatment options? What happens next? C-Sessions with Randall Broad seeks to answer the questions with patients, physicians, providers, policy experts, and key individuals skilled in providing answers. In the process, C-Sessions improves communication on both sides of the stethoscope. Welcome to C-Sessions. I'm your host, Randall Broad. We have an exciting program for you today. I have a friend of mine who is also my personal banker, Christine Goff, who was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer about a year and a half ago. She's going to be sharing her story. I also have the esteemed physician, surgeon, Minas Chrisopulo. He is joining us from Texas. He is a reconstruction surgeon for breast cancer patients. To set the stage here a little bit, let me give a little bit of backstory on Christine's situation. She was, as I said, diagnosed a little over a year ago and with stage one breast cancer. And she has had multiple reconstruction surgeries that have all failed. So we're going to address this subject today. And Minas is going to be sharing from his world. And hopefully it will enlighten everyone that has ever faced with this tragic situation. Thank you both for being here. I've heard you talking about surgery, reconstruction surgery, removal of the tumors, radiation. I haven't heard the C word. Chemotherapy. Is chemotherapy not part of breast cancer treatment? No, no, it's a very important part. It's a massive part of breast cancer treatment. And it's come a long way. Different treatments. Timing of the chemotherapy has changed over the last few years. Many more patients are getting the chemotherapy upfront now before their surgeries. The benefit of that is that you can actually know ahead of time that you got the right chemotherapy because the tumor shrunk versus the traditional approach, which was remove the tumor surgically, be it a lumpectomy or a mastectomy, and then give the standard treatment for that type of tumor, that subtype, which there was a very good chance of it working because that was the standard treatment for X receptors, tumor type. In many situations now, the patients are getting it upfront. And the other benefit of getting the chemo upfront is that now larger tumors are being shrunk to a much smaller, more manageable size. And so you can have a patient who was initially a poor lumpectomy candidate. And now that the tumor has shrunk, now you convert a patient from a poor lumpectomy candidate to a much better lumpectomy candidate because of of the chemo up front, which is called neoadjuvant chemotherapy. So that's something that a lot more patients will be seeing in terms of recommendations. So yeah, it's a crucial part of breast cancer care. Minas, you created a breast advocate app for this. Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Yeah, sure. Really, it came about to fill a gap that I was experiencing in taking care of my own patients. It became a very common theme after the years. I've been doing this for a long time now. I just got tired of hearing the same thing. Patients feeling that they hadn't been given all their options up front or that they would have preferred a different treatment plan to the one that they ultimately received because they didn't get a choice. They didn't know about all the options and they certainly weren't asked in terms of preferences, what's important to them, what they like to do in terms of leisure, their family life, their work, downtime, 
social support, sexual relationships, sexual health, importance of sensation, all these things that patients want to discuss, but unfortunately far too often isn't discussed. So I just looked online. I went to see what there was out there. You don't want to reinvent the wheel. I couldn't find anything that really specifically addressed breast cancer surgical options. So there are several apps that are for the other aspects of breast cancer care, including chemo. There are a bunch of online support groups and there are many avenues that patients can tap into, but there really wasn't anything for the breast cancer surgery part of the decision-making. So that's why I created the Breast Advocate app. I invited a bunch of my colleagues, breast cancer surgeons, medical oncologists, other plastic surgeons to contribute. Got a great team of contributors. We put this app together and, and really it's it does have chemo and radiation and all aspects of breast cancer covered for all demographics, but it's mostly an app that helps you with the breast cancer surgical decision-making. And that's for women, men, women wanting breast reconstruction, women wanting to go flat, uh, lumpectomy, mastectomy, oncoplastic surgery. Uh, we uh, cover surgery for stage four patients, for metastatic patients as well. We have a very active community within the app as well. So that adds an extra level of support as well for people. It's going really well. We've had a lot of great feedback, not just from patients, but from breast center nurse navigators that, that really like using it because it helps them stay up to date with the surgical aspect of things. How about payers? Not yet, but that's definitely something that uh, we'd love to pursue. That's, that's on the list. And again, I'm just using Christine's experience here where she went under the knife four separate times. Mm -hmm. And each time ineffective, Christine, they weren't done for free, were they? Uh, no, I certainly have reasonable insurance. However, Randy, I went under the knife more than 10 times. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, a, <laughs> it's my own little personal nightmare. It was four different times to eradicate the cancer. Got it. And then we started the, the reconstruction merry-go-round. So each year, of course, you have a deductible. I've been at this two years. It's actually encompassed now three because it began in 2019 and we're in 2021. So my deductible each year, my out-of-pocket has been somewhere around $3,000 each year. Yeah. Mina's sharing this advocacy app that he's got, which he described. How do you as a patient feel about something like that, that if you'd have been given that on the front end, be able to use that as a tool to gain access and gain information. It's something that I certainly would have availed myself of. Somebody needs to sit down with these patients and say, look, I know this is shocking. I know this sounds horrible. We need to talk about your options. We need to talk about how these options fit in with you, with your lifestyle, with your beliefs, and just see where you are. Instead of saying, well, you've got this one option over here, but oh my God, it's huge. Um, and then you've got this other option over here and we've got a guy for you. And usually people have an easy time of it, which is, I mean, that's, that's simplistic, but that's how I feel that the presentation to me was given. When this happens, you don't even want to hear the mastectomy word. I mean, that's a horrible word. Mm -hmm. You really do have to work with 
people where they are physically, emotionally, all of that. So speaking in that term right now, where they are, let's bring us to present day with you. You have had to have all these different quote unquote reconstructions that failed. Are you in a pause mode right now? Are you assessing? What's the next step? I'm in a pause mode. I am uh, surgery weary to say the least. Retrospect that probably the surgeon should have been realistic after two failures and said, this is probably not for you. I would have been in a different place if he had, but he pushed and pushed for failures. And I'm at the point right now where I don't want to look at surgery. I don't want to look at anything right now. And frankly, the doctor I spoke with, the last doctor I spoke with who does do all the different kinds, and I wish I'd probably started with him, said the same thing. He said, we really don't want to dive into other options with you now. We will talk about that in maybe six months to nine months if you wanna talk about that. The options are, I could look at the deep flap surgery, the microsurgery. I could look at going aesthetically flat. It is a little odd. It's definitely an option. How do you feel about going aesthetically flat as a woman? I Um, don't know yet. Okay. (laughs) I don't know yet. At the moment, things aren't aesthetically very pleasing, what, what I'm left with. But I know that that's not, what I would be left with if that was my decision. Christine, you're in your 60s. You're getting ready to retire. I'm just putting that out there. As far as, quote unquote, aesthetically speaking, at this stage of your life, on a scale of one to 10, where is that? You know, that's a big question. And it's not cut and dried. You see people once in a while that are obviously lopsided. And I'm just not a martyr for the cause. I'm not going to go around looking like that. The next option is that you wear a prosthetic. That's an option. That's, that's definitely a real option. I guess the question is how much do I care, right? How much do I care about that? How much does your husband care? Not at all. Really? Okay. That's a pretty big element. I would think. Yeah, I suppose. On the other hand, I would, I would probably not be real happy if he had a big opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's not his, his body. The good news is that you have as much time as you feel you need to be as comfortable with whichever decision you make, right? So again, obviously you want to balance that, I know, with getting on with your life. But again, there's no need to feel pushed into any decision until you're ready for it. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Let's say Christine were to come to you and share what she's shared. How would you advise her at this point? What your professional perspective would be? Unfortunately, I see ladies like you, Christine, every week. Wow. The history of having a bad time with implants and implant failure is, I'm very sorry it happened to you, but you need to know that you are certainly not alone. And we see it very frequently. You, you can get implants, can and do often work out very well for people. And you can get a very good, very nice reconstruction with implants. So I don't want people to think that I'm bashing implants. What I'm against is repeatedly trying the same thing over and over when something obviously isn't going to work out. For a lady like yourself, we'll talk through what's important to you. We would talk through the procedure in detail. You need to understand that if you go to someone like the surgeon that you just mentioned who does everything and who does microsurgery, performs microsurgery on a regular basis, the procedure doesn't take all day. It's two days in the hospital. You don't need the ICU. 
I mean, our patients go home after two days routinely. We have specific protocols we've developed for, for improving recovery. It's not what it used to be years and years and years ago. Our pain management regimen, for example, isn't even dependent on narcotics anymore. So you have narcotics if you need them, but that's how far things have come. You're on Advil and extra strength Tylenol and gabapentin as a three drug cocktail. It's low dose gabapentin. And that's for two weeks. It gives you a baseline of very good pain control. We also do a bunch of stuff during the surgery, as well as focusing on nutrition before and after your surgery as well. And all these things together really make the recovery a lot easier. So, so ladies who come to me who've been through your kind of experience, the first thing is getting them educated as to what is truly available to try and overcome the horror stories that they've been told. I will bet any amount of money your previous surgeon really felt he or she, they, mm. he was advocating for you. He was trying desperately in his way to make you physically whole because he felt that that's what you needed and wanted. There was nothing vindictive or malicious or, no. you know what I mean? It's just yeah. that that's, that's all he knew to do. It's all right. in terms of his armamentarium, that, that's all there was. And so, and I don't know how old he is or what have you, what his training was, but if your previous experience is all those bad things, then those procedures are bad and you're not going to recommend them. And certainly if you're not trained in those more complex procedures. So I just wanted to say that because again, lots of women have this experience and I really cannot believe it's anyone who's trying to mislead them on purpose. It's just a familiarity thing. It's an expertise thing. It's a training thing. Like, like we said before, when we were off air, we were speaking about taxes, right? Just because your CPA doesn't recommend something and the tax attorney does, doesn't mean your CPA wasn't doing their best for you, right? May I ask you something? Yes. How often do people have this kind of reaction to implants? Well, we see it well, fairly frequently. It's, it's higher. The failure rate with implants is much higher in ladies who have had radiation, which you did not have. We see this cycle you know, fairly frequently where you get into you know, scarring, significant issues with symmetry. Most plastic surgeons are taught to place the implant under the muscle. That in and of itself, if you're only reconstructing one side with an implant, and trying to match a natural breast, you're really up against it. There are newer techniques that place the implants on top of the muscle, and that's called the prepectoral technique. It was placed on top of the muscle. Okay, each time. good. But then your tissues, for whatever reason, couldn't handle the, the final implant, and then your skin mm -hmm. kind of broke down. So whether that's an implant weight issue in your case, or I have to tell you, one of the biggest contributing factors to reconstruction failure, especially with an implant, is that the tissues that were left behind after the mastectomy weren't healthy enough to support an implant. And the last two times also, there was a good deal of fluid that would not leave. So did, did your surgeon use ADM, something like Alloderm or FlexHD or one of those products? No. And I did question that on the last go around. I didn't really have a lot of faith that it was going to work. And I said, what about using some of these? I don't know. Are you, you're talking about the material that could cover an implant that could, that Correct. could make, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like a wrap. 
Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and he that, said, oh, well, I don't usually do that. And I didn't order any. Okay. So this was just under the skin and the, the tissue left behind and that was it. No other support internally. Correct. When you have a recurrent fluid collection, that is also going to make things harder. So it could be a whole multiple issues and adding over the multiple procedures that you've had leading to the, to the eventual need of removing the implant. What I certainly would not recommend is another implant for you. So <laughs> <laughs> that you can get and take that one to the bank. You know, when we were speaking earlier, Minas, you mentioned the Angelina Jolie effect. What exactly is the Angelina Jolie effect? That was, you know, she brought a lot of awareness. As people no doubt know, Angelina Jolie is a carrier of the BRCA gene mutation, which decreases your risk of breast cancer. And so she chose to have risk-reducing mastectomies and reconstruction. There's nothing as powerful as a celebrity wanting to tell their story to help educate the public. So there was a lot of good that came of that. The Angelina Jolie effect, though, has been used to describe a situation really that was not her situation. In America in particular, and and this is way higher in the States than it is in any other country in the world, the decision for women who who have been diagnosed with breast cancer in one breast, they then decide to do mastectomies for both, with or without reconstruction, usually with reconstruction. That's what the Angelina Jolie effect really has been used as a means of trying to explain, you know, one of the factors behind this increasing risk of contralateral prophylactic mastectomy, right? So removing the healthy breast, which there are lots of misperceptions about that. Again, you know, all this is very, very personal. The argument against doing that is that it doesn't improve your survival at all if you remove a healthy breast in the absence of a gene mutation. So if you're not a BRCA gene mutation carrier or CHECK2 or PALB2 or a bunch of genes now that have been identified. But if you're not at higher risk or if you, if you don't have a, a really strong family history and you've been diagnosed with cancer on one side, removing the healthy breast will not make you live longer. So one common thing that people say when they come in and they tell me, oh yeah, I've decided. In our practice, we use the app, we use Breast Advocate, we use videos, we use a bunch of things. So it's very common for people to come in and see me and they've pretty much already decided what they want. And they say, yeah, I've decided on a bilateral mastectomy and an immediate reconstruction. It's like, okay, why are you doing the bilateral? You know, I see you don't have gene mutation, you don't have a strong family history. I never want to go through this again, and I just want to live longer. So, well, I hear what you're saying about not wanting to go through this again, obviously, but removing a healthy breast isn't going to make you live any longer. And so we make sure they understand that. We go through the pros and cons. Obviously, the more surgery you have, the higher your risk, because more surgery equals more risk. There are other negatives to removing a healthy breast. You, you, you're never going to regain latest nerve reconstruction techniques that we're performing. Your nerve... The recovery of sensation typically is not the same as mother nature. So for some women, that's a massive, massive deal. There are lots of reasons for women to choose removing the healthy breast in the absence of a gene mutation or a very strong family history. And the Angelina Jolie effect has been blamed as one of those driving factors. We're going to wrap up here. What's on the horizon? You've been in this a long time, as you say. Are you seeing any major advancements in the near term that are going to improve 
outcomes? Well, we've got a very exciting you know, breast cancer vaccine work coming through. I'm, I'm most excited about that. That's kind of the, the, the biggest ticket item in my book. Is that due to COVID? No, no, that's been in the works for many, many, many years. Yeah. No, I, and, I, and I wish it could have been fast-tracked like the COVID work was, right? But Right. Um, so this has been in the works for many, many years. That's the biggest thing. And then there are, in terms of reconstruction too, there, there are lots of other new techniques coming and even less invasive tissue engineering techniques, growing whole breasts out of the patient's own fat, uh, different kind of scaffolds, all these sorts of uh, very interesting things. The breast cancer vaccine for me is, is, the, is the most exciting. The thing that I would say is wherever it is you're going and whatever doctor you're seeing, it would be important, I think, to to have somebody sit down with you who can be your advocate, maybe not even a medical professional, but maybe just somebody who's been through it. And to realistically give you options and ideas and also tell you what, what to expect. Very often you go into these things and you think you know, and, and you wake up from surgery, it's not what you expected, or it's a little different. Because it's an emotional journey, I, I think you need somebody to sit down with you and just say, this is going to happen, and, and this is what you can expect. And then from here, you have these choices to really get a broader range of what's available, what's out there, and what is happening to you. Christine, sounds to me like you could certainly fit that role. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, very possibly. I have exactly four weeks to go till I'm retired. I'm feeling a new career in the too distant future. I and, see. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest. I, yeah. I think it's hugely important for, I don't know about you, but I always want to walk through a minefield with somebody that got to the other side as opposed to somebody that's just stepping in for the very first time. And, yeah, uh, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And my only hesitation would be that I'm not to the end yet. I don't know where the end is for me yet. And I don't want to be prejudicial one way or the other. I've had a horrible experience with implants. I don't want to sit down with somebody and say, oh, implants are horrible because they're not for everyone. They work quite often. One thing that struck me when I was speaking to an advocate from the insurance company, I was saying, well, geez, this is terrible. You'd think it was one and done. And she said, oh, it's usually never one and done. This is something I never heard before. Both of you, I want to thank you, Minas, for joining us and sharing your insight. Christine, always great having a patient on here who's, even though you're not to the other side, you've, <laughs> you've certainly been on the traveling road. Yeah. A lot of very good information. Minas, if somebody wants to reach you to get some of your information, about your advocacy app, how do they get a hold of you? I'm all over the place on social media, specifically for the app. If you want to download it, it's a free download. It's breastadvocateapp.com. Patients who are going through this kind of stuff already have enough to pay for. <laughs> so, to say. yeah, yes. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, practice website. You can also email me through that. That's prma-enhance.com. I want to thank you both for participating, for sharing, and most of all, enlightening. I am your host, Randall Broad. This has been C-Sessions. We hope you have as much of a takeaway as I certainly have. Thank you. Thank you for listening to C-Sessions. If you love this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. That helps us get seen. Share with your friends, family, coworkers, anybody who might be affected by cancer, which as we know is actually everybody. Thank you for rating and sharing this podcast.